Welcome to Backroom Beauty Talks. My name is Misty Jane and I am a money coach for hairstylists. I help self-motivated stylists get their financial shit together, creating healthy relationships with money, opening up more options for the future, and eliminating that paycheck to paycheck life. I created Backroom Beauty Talks because I wanted to bring real, raw, and unedited conversations to you, uplifting the beauty industry one stylist at a time. Welcome back, my friends. Uh, Today I have another collaboration episode because, once again, um, that is what this podcast is all about. So today, me and Jody Brown are sitting down once again, and we are talking about successful stylists and what do they have in common, okay? And when we say successful, we don't necessarily mean like the busy, hustling stylist. I'm talking about the happy stylist that loves their job, that's making great money, that has clients they love. Like the really, the stylist that that in my mind would be, I would consider successful because to me, yes, you can make all the money in the world, you can hustle your ass off, you can have a million clients, but if you're not happy and feeling fulfilled, within your business, then what is the whole point? Like to me, that is not success. So today, Jody and I are talking about what they have in common. Like what are these stylists doing? Why do they, why, how have they created um, this awesome, fulfilling business and life? Um, I love this conversation. This is one that I um, will probably refer back to often. And I think that you are going to enjoy it just as much. If you like it, don't forget to screenshot it, post it on the gram, tag me, tag Jody Brown at It's Jody Brown, um, and let us know what you think. Enjoy. All right, Misty, I am so excited to have this conversation today and this collaboration between Hairstylist Rising and Backroom Beauty Talks and just really explore what all of the successful hairstylists that each of us know have in common and really dive into the traits and habits of the successful hairstylist. I'm like really excited about this conversation because in all honesty, like until you like said the topic, it's not anything I've ever thought about. And like immediately I can think of things. Yeah, me too. You know, so what, so what, what is the exact topic? What, what is the, what are we talking about today? So because you know, obviously I think one of the things that we have in common is we have a lot of friends in the hair industry and know a lot of stylists, right? And not just that, but a lot of stylists who are really thinking outside the box and doing big things and creating almost their own little niche in the hair world, right? Whether it's hair or education or whatever that looks like. So what I would love to explore is what are some of the things that 90% of these people have in common. And of course, it's not going to be the case for everyone, but immediately off the top of my head, I can think of, you know, five or six things, and I'm sure you can as well. So why don't we just start and take turns and you can go first. Well, I, the number one thing that I thought of, and, and even what you said, like, like we have a lot of friends that right there, like the, the collaboration over competition is huge. And even when I was in a commission salon, I didn't know that existed. Like Mm -hmm. I literally thought that like, you don't talk to other salons, like you're in your own little world. And like, that's like, if you go talk to another salon, your owner is going to think you're leaving. And like, you know what I mean? Like, like other salons are bad and my salon is good. And, Mm -hmm. and you know, that competitive 
kind of feeling. But now, like years later, I realize that literally every stylist that I know or educator, not even, you know, now that I'm in a different space, um, they want to see everyone around them rise and they want to um, support people because they realize they have an abundant mindset. They don't have that, like, I need all the clients and, you know, you're going to steal things from me and you're going to take my money. Like they have this, no, I have an abundance of people. There will always be more that will come to me. And, Mm -hmm. and here, like, there's also some that will come to you. And I think that's probably the first thing that I think of. Yep. I would agree with that. I, and I actually can relate because I remember being at the beginning of my career, not at the very beginning, but I was in my early twenties and I was working at a salon that was an Aveda concept salon. And so there was a lot of really great education actually. And I know everyone's got their opinion, but you know, like the education that we got was really great and really, you know, um, frequent, but we would go to the Aveda academies to get this education right in the beginning. And that was exactly the thing. It was like, you had to like sit with your salon and like, you know, there was very little um, collaboration between different salons when you would go as a group. And it was a completely different vibe than when we would travel to like a different city and then you would go by yourself or you just go with one person. And that was kind of my first foray into, oh, like, this is so cool. You can talk to other people. And I think the reason for that is because when you're in your own city, a lot, like there was a lot of that scarcity mindset. Whereas as soon as you travel and you're like, okay, well, none of my clients even live here. Um, it started to open your mind a little bit. And so I would agree. I remember that, you know, competition vibe back in the day, especially working in a commission salon. And I think that's not only just like what successful stylists have in common, but I actually think that's the biggest shift I've seen in our industry in the 15 years I've been a stylist. Yeah, I agree. I mean, for me, it was, I was in a commission salon and I I wanted to take a business of balayage class and I paid for it myself. It was like the most expensive class I ever really, I think it was probably the only class I ever paid for because my commissions salon always paid for things. Um, and I remember going, it was a two day thing and just having all of these amazing conversations with other stylists about how my business could be better or what it looked like to go independent and like helping each other. And it was like, this exists. This is a thing. People help each other. (laughs) Cause I was in a place where it was like, you know, you have to like, let's have competitions on who's going to sell. Like, you know what I mean? Where, where there wasn't like the, Hey, let's help each other. It was like, no, you, you do really well and do better than this person. And anyway, so yeah, I think that that is a huge one. I think another one that kind of rolls into this is, um, speaking of like going to education is stepping out of your comfort zone. You know, the the stylists that I know that are super successful, they're not scared to change things up. They're not scared to learn new things. They're not, they're, you know, they're constantly getting a little bit uncomfortable. And the ones that are kind of stuck and stagnant, they're the ones that they know how to do one thing and they're just going to do that for 20 some years. Yeah, no, I agree (laughs) with that. And I think there's like a lot of, you know, when it comes back to, I know that both of us know, a lot. I, I don't think it's predominantly like commission is bad, independent is good. But what I do think happened 
is because of that, you know, that scarcity mindset we just talked about and that closed mindedness of wanting to just only do things the way that they've always been done. I actually think that subconsciously a lot of like old school salon owners were using that control and like that competition between stylists to maintain um, the order, the way they wanted things so that they could make things happen the way that they wanted, as opposed to allowing everyone to thrive. And I think that's probably why there's been such a push towards both I mean, there's some amazing commission salon owners oh, who 100%. and they are really allowing their stylists to thrive. And those kinds of salons, I think will continue forever. Cause and why is that? Ideas. Because there's, they're not scared to yeah, check. Exactly. So that's exact, that ties right in, right? It's not just the stylist. It's also the business owners that, you know, the ones that are really, we've all heard the salon owner who says, I can't keep staff. Nobody wants to work is the, this horrible thing I've heard so much over the past two years. Um, and it's completely untrue because no one in my circle doesn't want to work. Um, I'm hearing that a lot about a younger generation. Yes. Yeah, totally. And I think it's like, okay, is it that they don't want to work or is that you're not stepping out of your comfort zone and creating a culture that people want to be a part of? That's where I would dig deep. Right. So I think that's, that kind of brings me into something that I thought of too. They're accountable, right? Successful stylists are accountable for their own shit. Like they're yes. not, they're not blaming everyone else. And, you know, I've been there. I've been that person in my twenties. Definitely. I've talked about that. Like, oh, it's the salon owner's fault because of this. And like, you know, everyone, this isn't fair and this is happening to me. And that doesn't get you anywhere good. Nope. You've got to take a look in the mirror. You have to yeah. know, you know, your part in your own life. Yes, like you totally. have to know that and you have to be okay. I mean, again, so kind of back in my journey, going to that class and then going back um, into the commission salon after that class, shortly after that class, I went out on my own mm-hmm. and I realized, okay, like I wasn't doing enough on social media to like get the clients I wanted, you know, I like, and I switched it up because I was like, I'm unhappy. Like I was to the burnout point to the, I don't even like my career anymore at 14 years in, like, Mm -hmm. like something needs to change. And it wasn't until I realized what was my fault. I mean, I've always been pretty good with boundaries, but I definitely needed some work, you know, on, on certain things. Um, but yeah, like you have to look, and that can go with so many things. Mm-hmm. You know, that can go with showing up on Instagram that can go with the fucking money thing, you know, yep. like any, literally anything like in your life, like you have to look in the mirror and just what part am I playing and why my life looks the way that it looks. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it goes back. This is a Dr. Phil quote. And I remember hearing this like when I'd come home from school, because back when we still had to, you know, watch what was on at the time. Uh, I feel like a dinosaur saying that. But anyways, like you can't change what you don't acknowledge. And it's interesting because now I hear it like I hear people, you know, so attached to these excuses for why they can't do things or why it's, you know, out of their control. And I'm not saying like everyone comes from a different place and there is absolutely lived experiences. So I don't want to discount that, but I think for the most part, like if you are accountable and you can own, acknowledge, and then start to work on 
your role and your part in any given situation, there's always something that can be done differently. There's always a way to move past. And I think that's what allows the successful stylists and educators that I know to move forward because they're looking for solutions instead of, you know, fixating on the problem. Yes. You know, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's always, no matter what situation you're in, there's always something you can control. Yes. Something. It may be the tiniest, littlest thing, but there Mm -hmm. is something in there that you can control and try and turn around. I, another one, let's, let's go into the, these are great, by the way, already. I was like, wow, we should, these should be posts. (laughs) It's going to be a carousel. (laughs) But another one um, is they're not scared to spend money on their education. Yes. Like investing in themselves and investing in the learning. Yes. And not just learning about hair, but learning about like, let's throw personal development in there as well. Like whether it's therapy, whether it's, you know, working with a life coach, if you have shit you need to overcome, like as a, as a beauty pro, our, our businesses are personal. And I think, you know, you're right. You need to invest in education. You need to invest on working on yourself. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, and I think that, I don't know, it's like, I, I do still know some stylists that are a little more old school and Mm -hmm. they don't go to a lot of classes and, you know, and, and I feel like they just feel like they can't, I don't know why they don't actually like it's, I don't even know if it's, I can't afford it. I don't have time. I don't even know what the real excuse is, you know? And then I'll see them go to a class. Cause I'm, I will text you and be yeah. like, Hey, this class is coming. You'd love it. <laughs> you know. And they're like mind blown. Right. You know, especially compared to when people that go to class all the time, Yeah. you know, like people that go to classes all the time, they'll spend a thousand dollars for one sentence to change the way they do a foil. Yep. You know, but if you're someone who doesn't invest in yourself, you go to those classes and you are like, holy shit, Mm -hmm. like what, like, how did I not know this? And it's like, I don't know. It's, I just wish people valued their education more, like, cause especially in this business, you can't just get out of hair school and then never learn anything again. I agree. And you know, when I say the term successful, I'm not necessarily talking about just making a lot of money because you can be making a lot of money without being what I would consider successful. You could be miserable, double booking, working seven days a week, never seeing your family. Exactly. Right. Like you can always, and there's a lot of people who say like, Oh, working harder. Isn't the way to make more money. It's not the only way it is one way you can absolutely burn yourself out. And you know, be miserable, but I'm talking about people who are fulfilled, who have that, like, I hate the term work-life balance. I really do. I don't flow. flow. It's like, I heard it referred to as a dance once. And I'm like, Ooh, I like that. Cause there are times where, you know, you'll have to work a ton. And there are times where, you know, you'll want to binge watch Netflix instead of opening your laptop one day. But (laughs) when I think of balance, I think of half-assing two things. Yes. You know what I mean? Rather than like putting all in on one or putting all in on the other. So I like flow better because it's like some days I'm really work focused. Some days I'm family focused. Some days I'm me focused. Like it just makes more sense in my mind than balance. For sure. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that's, you know, that's one of the things is that like, 
there is that personal aspect outside of business. And I think that's something I see, you know, when it comes down to straight up habits and traits and things like that, like things like taking time to nourish your body properly, taking time to exercise, even if you're like me, someone who doesn't necessarily love it all the time, (laughs) you know, managing your mental health. I think that's another really huge huge key aspect of what I would consider success. A successful stylist understands that self-care sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say sucks all the time, but that self-care isn't treat yourself bubble baths. What, you know, it is, you know, taking care of your body, holding Mm -hmm. boundaries, you know, doing the things that you don't necessarily want to do because it, it releases the stress from your life or can help release some of the stress from your life. And I think that's, and holding boundaries is a big one. Successful stylists have boundaries. Yes. You know, and they stick to them. A hundred percent. And I think it's like thinking more of sometimes present you has to be a little uncomfortable to say future you from a lot of pain. And I was 100% that person, you know, probably even five or six years ago would be like, yeah, I'll work a 14 hour day, six weeks from now. Cause that's a problem for future me. And then that day would get here and I would be miserable. And so now I try to think about, okay, but I'm actually gonna have to do this commitment that I made. So, right. you know, think about it and successful stylists can say no. They yes. don't have to say yes to every single opportunity or thing that comes their way. And I think that they understand that saying no isn't bad. Like I, I talk to some people that think when I say like, you need to set better boundaries that they have to be mean to their clients or mean to their fan. And it's like, no, no, no. Like boundaries are a beautiful thing. Like my clients love me because I communicate with them. That's Mm -hmm. how I hold boundaries. I just communicate. Yeah. You know, when I took that 10 month break, I would say 99% of my clients were, they literally were like, I figured that was coming. Really? You know, because I've been taught, I talk, I, I communicate, yeah. I say, you know, if I'm thinking about a price raise, like I'll have little conversations, you know, yeah, I'm probably going to be raising prices in February, inflation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, oh, I've been thinking about taking Saturdays off. I'm probably going to, you know, so that when it happens, yeah, there, it's not a mean thing. They're, first yeah. of all, they're a little bit prepared. They can't be mad. And if they are mad, that's on them, not on me. You yeah. know, it's not like, sorry, Susie, I don't work Saturdays anymore. Sorry about your luck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it doesn't have to be me. Like no, it, it comes down to transparency. Like, you know, yeah. being transparent and communicating is really what boundaries are. And treating your business like a business. You know what I mean? I think that's the thing, right? A lot of us, uh, and this applies to, you know, educators, it applies to stylists behind the chair, any other profession, like, you know, creating your systems and boundaries and and policies and all of those things, once they're there, it's a lot easier to keep going. It's, it's flexing a muscle, I think. Right. And the more comfortable you get with change, the less stressed out everyone's going to be. So many of my coaching clients, and I'm sure you've experienced this, like when we're going through a price increase, it's like, going for a shot. Like when you're like waiting for the needle, it's like, Oh, there's so much fear that you get it. You're like, Oh, that was easy. (laughs) That wasn't a big deal. Um, 
And so I think that's always the case is there's that like paranoia and anxiety surrounding like, oh my God, I'm going to raise my prices. I'm going to lose all my clients in, I've literally never seen it happen yet. Um, (laughs) yeah, you know, I always like talk about how, um, the last year behind the chair that I worked full time, I only worked 29 hours a week and I made the most money I have ever made in my entire career. And I do not double book. And it's like, it took me, that was what my 16th year, Mm -hmm. 16th year behind the chair. It took me that long to realize, oh, oh, I can charge this much. I can do things. I can take off Saturdays. I can't, you know, and it's like, and again, it comes down to just holding the boundaries and being transparent. And it was, um, it's not, it's really, once you like get confident in doing it and you realize like, it's actually not that hard to do, Mm -hmm. like there's no going back, you know? Yes. And I love that you're talking. I I love that we're giving examples from our own past because when someone's, when you're listening to this, I don't want you to think like, Oh, like the people who do these things are better than me or like, I'm not able to be accountable yet. So therefore there's no hope. No, this is a work in progress. And this is something that no matter where you're at now, even making little small shifts can make the biggest difference when you add it all up. Like what's that? I can't remember what book it comes from, but you know, that concept of 1% better every day. Oh, Atomic Habits, which is another great book. Yes. So good. (laughs) Yeah. That's by James Clear. It's amazing. But yeah. So if you just focus on, you know, like getting 1% better and shifting your habits and your mindset, that's the next thing I want to go into, but shifting your habits and your mindset a little bit every day, you will look back a year from now and be like, holy shit, how did I get here? So there's so much possibility, regardless of where you are now to shift and change and get to where you want to be. Yeah. And if we're talking to the stylist that's listening to this, that feels like they're not there. My biggest advice to you is like to truly, truly, truly try to stop overthinking everything. Mm -hmm. Like really, really take a second. And if you raise your prices, is it true that every single one of your client is going to leave you? Mm -hmm. It's not true. Like really, truly think of whatever it is that you want to change. Maybe you want to spend the money to go to one class. Maybe you want to start holding some boundaries. Maybe you want to meet some people outside of your salon, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Like if your fear is, you know, spending money on a class that you're not going to get anything out of, is that true? Mm -hmm. It's probably not true. There's going to be something that you get out of it that is going to make you more money. It's going to, you know, or if it's going out to a class and you're scared to meet other people. Cause nobody's going to like me. That was my thing, which is really funny <laughs> now. Really? Um, I still think it sometimes I'm not going to lie. I, I have a weird, my, I have a weird, like, I don't know if it's like the only child in me, right. But like, um, even these retreats and stuff I go on, I will, um, like be fine for like two days. And then I'll have like one day where I'm like, I'm not good enough. Nobody likes me. Like, which is stupid. Right. Like now, I mean, I think about it. I'm like, come on, Misty. I'm you know, you're able to work through it now. Right. So, so yeah. if you're listening, like know that the stuff we're talking about, we're not saying it's easy every day. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I still struggle with some of these things. Um, but you, you're aware you yeah. pay attention and then you work from it. So, so if you have these fears, if you're overthinking, find the truth, what is the truth? 
Okay. I want to raise my prices. I want to stop working Saturdays. Okay. All my clients are going to leave me. Well, that's not true. Right. Maybe four clients will leave you. Not a big deal. You got to open up anyway, because you're not going to be working Saturdays. Exactly. Like, oh, you know, or, okay, maybe five people. Okay. Well now you have people that are going to pay your new prices. Like, like really stop for a second and really figure out what is true and what is the lies that your mind is telling you? Because 90% of the time your mind is bullshitting you to try and keep you safe and try Mm -hmm. and keep you in the comfort zone. And I promise you, and I say this all the time and I will say it till the day I die, probably everything outside of your comfort zone is like where the magic happens. Yes. Oh my God. That's so true. And I want to take it even one step further and say like, even not just your own comfort zone. I think some of the most limiting advice that we get is from the people who love us the most, who want nothing more than for us to be safe and secure. Like even now, two years into my business, like, you know, it's by all accounts, very successful. My mom will be like, you know, if I'm like, oh, like this happened and it's a little ideal. business. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, you know, it, I, I, I'll just be saying like, you know, this wasn't ideal. I'm going to change this next time. Like it didn't go exactly as planned, whatever. And my mom will be like, oh my God, like, well, is everything going to be okay? Like she'll, it, it just freaks her right out because she's got no frame of reference. Like right. two years ago, my parents literally had no idea that this career path even existed. Right. So it would have been really easy for old me to be like, Oh, like my, you know, I would look for validation outside. I would look for like, do you think this is a good idea? Should I be doing this? What I realized through human design is that my decision-making strategy is speaking out loud. I didn't realize though, that I wasn't looking for advice and I didn't need the advice. I was just speaking out loud to figure my own stuff out. And so now I don't talk about the really risky stuff with my mom because I know it just stresses her out. If I'm about to spend a huge amount of money on like a coach or a course or whatever it is, um, I make sure I I can afford it and that it makes sense for my business, but I don't necessarily look outside for that external validation anymore because a lot of the time other people through just loving you and just wanting you to be safe will kind of try to keep you even in your own comfort zone and in their comfort zone. And if they're not where you are or where you want to be, they're probably not the best people to ask for advice, even if you love them more than anything in the world. It's so, so true. Well, again, you know, they're, they're projecting their fears on you because Mm -hmm. it's something that scares them. Yes. You know, and so I remember going out in the suite, my mom called me and she was like, what if it's too small? What if you don't like it? What if no one follows you because it's far away? And I had to stop her. And granted, all of the things she was saying were the same things running through my mind because I was overthinking just as much. Um, But I was, you know, looking for the truth and kind of ignoring it. And I had to stop her and I had to say, mom, everything you're saying, I've already thought about. Yeah. And I trust that I will have a successful business. Mm -hmm. So please just stop and support me. And that was it. And she never said a word again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's just her fears, you know? And everything, like, I don't know if you would agree with this, but I feel like everything that I've ever done that's been worthwhile has been a risk. Every single thing. (laughs) I mean, I stopped working behind the chair for 10 months. Yeah. 
to pursue a business that I literally like popped out of thin air, like six months prior, Yeah, you know, talk about a risk, yeah, you know, absolutely. and it's, um, and people did not understand, mm-hmm. you know, my family didn't understand my husband, thank God is like the most supportive human on earth. He's the only one who understood, Yeah, you know, that was- you need your support system though, but you need to find the right support system. Like I know that when it comes to my coaching business, I know I don't need to ask my family, my, my neighborhood friends, anything I call you or, you know, my other people who are doing the same thing. I coach, I pay somebody to help me with that, my mindset, things like that. Like, you know, I, you got to find the right support system that understands what you're doing. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that was my exact experience too, even stepping outside away from the chair, like leaving a full clientele um, <laughs> on a feeling. <laughs> Which we also need to schedule this podcast episode to talk about. <laughs> yeah, like it's just, you know, it's one of those things that um, my husband was terrified. He like he was ex- like he was supportive in the sense that like you know he was like yeah like you can do this and I believe in you and whatever you put your mind to. But he had no idea like right. How does, you know how do you explain to someone yeah I'm gonna teach other hairstylists how to market their businesses. My aunt was like well what do they get and I'm like you know she's like what do they like physically get and I'm like well you know like <laughs> they, they get knowledge <laughs> they get more knowledge they're able to you know approach things with confidence and you know be able to scale their businesses and all this but it was like and I would explain that and they're just you could just see like the glazed <laughs> like you know so I think that's the thing sometimes my first mentor that I hired uh Don Bradley I love her I love Don yeah. Shout out Don. She's incredible. And so I signed up for her mastermind before I had ever made a dollar online. And it was a significant investment. It was almost half of what I was paying for my chair rent monthly, um, without making any money. And one of the first things that she said to me was sometimes you need to jump before you know how to land. And that like resonates so deep in my soul. So I think that's one of the other things is they're risk takers. They take risks and I'm not telling you to be reckless or crazy or, you know what I mean, but everyone has their own tolerance for risk. But I think that would be something that a lot of them have in common, whether it's the risk of investing into education or the risk of going out on your own. Like that's something I think most of the stylists that are fulfilled and successful and happy have in common. Absolutely. I mean, starting messy, you know, I talk about that a lot too, because I I always use the example of like, if you won the lottery, right? Like as a money coach, I'm going to bring it around to money for a minute, but (laughs) if you don't know how to manage the money you have right now, right? Like say you have a hundred dollars in your bank account, you don't know how to manage it. If you think that you are going to just win the lottery and know what to do with that money, you're crazy. Like, and it's the same thing with trying something new or, you know, starting a new business, you know, whatever it is. Like if you are procrastinating by learning what you like to be perfect before you ever start, you are not going to learn anything. Yes. Like you have to just start And just let it, like, you're going to fail. And if you're not failing, something's not right. 
That's the thing, right? I, doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will is a quote that I like live by. I'm really into the quotes today. I, oh, I love that. You know, I miss MySpace. Like I want all my glitter quotes on my Instagram. Oh, I might, I might make that part of my brand. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's you do have to just start because you know, that's where the magic happens. I think that's, you know, they take action and start messy. Mm -hmm. I have so many conversations with stylists. I'm sure you do too, that are like, you know, I really want to do this, but I'm, and then like my tough love side is like, okay, I love that goal for you, but is, are the actions you're taking aligning with what you want? Because, you know, I, I am a big believer in manifestation and all of the things, but to me, my version of what I believe manifestation is, is like having a purpose and believing with all your soul that that is going to happen for you. And then taking aligned action, not being like, I want to get good at marketing my business on Instagram. So what I'm going to do is just, you know, scroll on Instagram a lot and not take any action to learn or put any, anything into play. Um, so I think that's like one of the major things is starting messy and just taking action because that's where you're going to find the clarity. Yeah. And, and just figuring it out. Okay. I mean, how much I've learned more from messing up someone's hair then I learned from doing it correctly. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like you get a couple bleed marks, you learn how to not get bleed marks. So like, true. The same thing in everything, in With everything. Pain aversion, right? Like it's, that's like just science. People will do a lot more to avoid something negative than they will do to attain something positive. Oh, so if you, yes. You know, if you, and that's like, I can't remember, there was a study I was reading, but it's, you know, this is true across all species. You'd rather like avoid pain than get a reward. Right. So I think that's the thing. Like you, you're going to learn real quick because you're like, Ooh, I don't want that again. Like, I don't want to feel that way ever. Right. So that's, I think where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. So what have we got so far? We've got collaboration over competition. Yes. That's a huge one. Um, getting out of the comfort zone, mm -hmm. personal development, personal development, risk takers, risk takers, investing in yourself. Yep. Self-care. I feel like we're missing something. (sighs) I feel like we are too. And I feel like What's one of, what's like one of the biggest things I think maybe we need to talk about how to systems and boundaries. That was another one. I think we talked more about boundaries and maybe less about systems. So what, as a money coach, what do you see from a financial standpoint that sets a lot of the, you know, successful, thriving, fulfilled stylists apart, whether that's like business finance or personal finance? Do you see a pattern? Yeah. Well, honestly, it's very similar to what we've talked about. It's accountability. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you can sit there all day long and be like, well, I'm bad with money. I'm bad with money. Well, why? Mm -hmm. Why? What is it? Well, you know, you have to like figure out what, what it is that makes you quote unquote, say you're bad with money. Cause I really don't like when we, that's like the first thing we talk about, like, we're not going to say that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, You know, I think figuring out where you're at 
and then figuring out again, what you need to do to fix it. And a lot of times it comes down to that self-care that you don't want to do. Like when my clients get overwhelmed, it's time to sit down and look at your money. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know that it's overwhelming and you want to ignore it, but you're literally prolonging your stress. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the people I work with, they're, they're already in the growth mindset. Right. They're already ready. Like they're ready to, um, you know, look in the mirror, they're ready to make a change, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're ready. So mm-hmm. I think that, um, and they're all stylists or estheticians, yeah. uh, and, they're already successful, like as far as their businesses, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, they all have the ready to look in the mirror, I think in common more than anything, but I think, I really think that's a very big one. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's probably like one of the, I think that's like one of the top ones. For sure. sure. Because it it trickles into everything else. It is like, how can you be, how can you be about community over competition if you can't recognize? Because I think a lot of it is like fear of judgment and jealousy contributes to a lot of the decisions that are made before you're able to recognize it. So, you know, I think 90% of fear in life actually comes down to fear of what other people are going to think of you, not fear of the thing itself. Well, failure. Yeah. Failure. We're not scared of failure. We're scared of other people seeing us fail. Yeah, exactly. And I know you've talked about that before too, right? When you decided to go back behind the chair, that was like, even though it was a decision that came from a totally different place and you just wanted to go back behind the chair. I know that's something where you were like, and I thought about that too. People are like, going to think my coaching yeah. business failed because I want to go back behind the chair one day a week. Is yeah, hundred percent. Totally. And that's like I thought about that. Too. I have decided and you know realized that that's not what I want. But when I stepped away, I thought like, oh, like if I do ever want to do hair again, is that going to feel like oh, like I I shouldn't because you know I don't want to be perceived in a certain way. Probably the most freeing thing I've ever done is. Uh, stop hanging out with people who I was scared were going to judge me. (laughs) So making better friends, that's like a really big one. (laughs) That's a huge. (laughs) And uh, there's, you know, that Roosevelt quote, that's like uh, small minds talk about people, medium or, you know, medium minds talk about events and great minds talk about ideas. Yeah. Curating your friend group to be a place where you're talking about your, your ideas and your goals and the difference you're going to make in the world is probably the biggest life upgrade you could make. (laughs) Well, if you look around of who you hang out with, who you work next to, Mm -hmm. you are going to be those people. Yeah. So if you look around and you don't necessarily feel good about what you're seeing or how you feel around these people, mm-hmm. you have to figure out ways to incorporate. You have to stop being the smartest person in the room. That's like one of my favorite ones. Like mm-hmm. if you're the smartest person in a room, in the room, get a new room. Yeah. You know, like you, I want you to walk into a room and almost be a little intimidated. Yeah. But you know, like, almost. Yeah. Because yeah. eventually you're going to walk in that room and, and you're going to feel like you belong because yeah. you do. Exactly. <laughs> you, know? And, you know, pay attention to the way that you feel in certain, in certain circles, in certain rooms. Like when you have a conversation with someone and you leave that conversation feeling lit up and inspired and, you know, 
thinking as well. Cause I don't think that the best friends always are the ones tell you what you want to hear. Sometimes they're the ones that make you think about things too. Right. So, you know, I think that's really important as well. Getting into rooms that make you think. Yes. I need honest friends. I need friends that say that outfit doesn't look good. Yeah. Unless I come out and go, man, I feel good in this outfit. And then you say that, fuck you. I don't like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, it's it, but I will say it's interesting when you do start finding those people, Mm -hmm. um, because I know for me, I have kind of different groups of friends. Mm -hmm. So I have like my neighborhood friends. They're my fun friend. They're my mom friends. They're like, you know, like we can get together. We can all laugh. We can complain about our kids like that. That's like, you know, but I can't have the same conversations that like you and I have, or that I have when I go on these retreats. And recently a little story, um, recently I went out of town with the mom group, love them. Um, but I was wearing, I like came out in this like little tank top crop top thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the girls was like, Oh, that bra. And I was like, well, it's a shirt. <laughs> and what bothered me about this situation, um, is, I am 36 years old. I'll be 37 in March. And Mm -hmm. I, this year is the first year that I'm comfortable wearing a crop top and it is taking me a very freaking long time to feel comfortable. And when I go on these retreats, it Mm -hmm. is such a non-judgmental. It doesn't matter what you look like, what you Mm -hmm. wear, as long as you feel good on the inside, Mm -hmm. they're there for you. And those retreats are what got me comfortable wearing stuff like that, you know? And like, I was so bothered by the, by it because I wanted to be like, because you're not comfortable wearing this. Yeah. Projecting for Don't sure. Project it onto me. This has taken me a long time to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And in a way it made me miss my retreat friends. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> like <laughs> well, I think that's another indication an example of how, you know, like you have a pretty rock solid mindset, right? Like you Sometimes. do the work. No, I mean like you do the work and it's not permanent. I do the work and I still get shaken like time to time. But the difference is you get to choose. You get to choose whether or not you let that thought derail you or whether or not you feel the fact that it's shitty in the moment and you don't love that feeling. And then you're like, you know what? This is like this, like you said, I've worked hard. I've wanted to get to this point for a long time. And I'm not going to let one little comment throw me off because you're always going to have people as much as I would love to remove every person in my life that was negative. um, (laughs) They're always going to be there. It wouldn't be possible. (laughs) No, It's going to be a family member, a client, maybe sometimes a friend, like it's always going to be there. And I'll tell you the the next time I got together and that girl was there, I wore a crop top again because I wanted to be like, well, <laughs> um, <but laughs> mental resilient. That's right. that's the next one. A mental, like mentally resilient. And I, that's a hard know. one though. You know, I don't like saying that because let me, I'll tell you why, because okay. I feel I've always wanted to be the strong girl. Like, mm-hmm. not, and I mean like physically and mentally, like I want to be like strong. And, but I realize that that doesn't, that like, kind of does those around me a disservice because I am not that strong. I was just crying over a Disney. If you've watched Encanto, you know, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> oh, I cried. Yeah. oh, I mean, surface pressure. I was literally yeah. listening to it in the car with my son and bawling mm-hmm. my eyes out. <laughs> and like, so yes, I think that, you know, people always say like, well, I don't give a fuck what other people think. And it's like, well, I don't, but I do. 
I think we all do to an extent. Right. Yeah. I think it's like, I think it's, it's a little scary to say you have to have a tough mentality because I actually think you have to be open to be soft. See, when I think of resilience, I don't think about tough. That's not where I know, which is interesting because I'm glad that you said that because that, that wouldn't, that's not something that I would necessarily associate. When I think of resilience, I think of like just an ability to, I think you do need to have the ability to be soft and feel your emotions, um, but have, be able to go on, I guess. Right. You know, like be able to pick yourself back, back up and keep. Yeah. Thinking. That's yeah. kind of what I, cause I'm definitely very much like, I'm such a crier as well. Um, and like, you know, let it go whenever that would play in the car or the Moana song, (laughs) I would think about Moana wanting to go off on her own and being scared to leave her family. And it just literally crushed my soul. (laughs) So, you know, but I would consider myself resilient, not because of a lack of, um, not, not feeling emotions. I think that's really important, but just, you know, the ability to, pursue things in spite of like fear and the fear of judgment and all of those kinds of things. I agree. I like that. Yeah. Cause it's it's basically like, it's still there. Like I still have emotions. I still am scared. I still have fears, but I do it anyway. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I think I'm so glad you said that though, because I would never want someone to think that like being like, I don't think you need to be tough. I think that's a very masculine old school mentality that success comes to only those who are strong and tough and whatever. Like you're not Um, allowed to cry or people aren't going to look at you as a leader or whatever. It's like, okay, so I have to cry in a bathroom alone. Like everyone's (laughs) crying somewhere. I (laughs) I think it's exactly why we don't want to work in the corporate world, to be honest, because that kind of environment feels like suffocating to me. Right. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) no, that's, that's very true, but it is, it's, it's interesting I, I almost wish everyone. So one of the exercises at one of the retreats I went on, um, we had to sit around a, a fire and go around to each person and tell each person what we thought of them. And it was Ooh. the most beautiful. It was like, I almost want to cry thinking about it. I wish I could have bottled it up because we think what we like, I, I have this idea of what like you think of me or what other people think of me. And it's, it's always a little negative. Like I, even though, like, I don't know why it's just like how we're wired, I guess. I don't know, you know? And, but when you, when you really see how people actually view you and you Mm -hmm. realize that like, you know, they look at you in this like more positive, beautiful light, like it's kind of amazing. And I don't understand why we don't feel that as much as we should. You know, so true. It's yeah, we always are. I think it's insecurity. And I think even the strongest, you know, quote unquote, strongest um, people that I know, we all have something, right? I remember hearing once that like, you know, if you're really judgmental about like a certain trait in people, or you're really triggered by it, because you Don Bradley said that to me and I wish I remembered the exact quote that she said, but, but yeah, and that it's so true though. It's Mm -hmm. so true. And I think, 
I don't know. Like I could go on this topic for hours. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think it it comes down to what we tell ourselves in our mind. And like, would you say that to your best friend? Exactly. So, okay. I think what we should do is give one. So what is the one piece of advice for someone who's listening to this, who is like, maybe not exactly where they want to be, but like ready to, I guess, start the journey and ready to like, start towards where they want to be, whatever that looks like. What's the number one first thing you think people need to do or step they should take or book they should read? Like, what is that first action step? You know what mine's going to be. <laughs> so, well, they might be the same. So action step, hire the person, hire mm-hmm. somebody that can help you. Because I, w- my, I want to say, believe that you can do it, mm-hmm. but I don't think you can believe you can do it until you have somebody help you believe you can do it. Yeah. You know, it took me my first year of coaching to believe that I am actually a good coach. Right. So, so I, as much as I want to say, you have to believe it's possible. I really think hiring somebody to help. And I'm not saying that because I'm a coach. I'm saying it because I needed somebody to give me a different perspective. I needed somebody to point out the things I'm saying that I shouldn't be saying to myself or the things I'm thinking that I shouldn't be thinking because I can easily justify what I'm thinking and saying all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, but you need an outsider that is not your friend. That is not your husband. That is not your family. Like somebody that does not know you that can help you. Like, I think it's so unbelievably important. I love that. And I'm going to hit you with another quote now. (laughs) You can't solve a problem with the same thinking that was used to create it. And that's an Einstein quote. And I think that is a lot of like what you just said is so true. And I think that's partially why, because if you are approaching something from the same angle, you've always approached it. It's going to be very difficult for you to zoom out and get another perspective. hundred percent. What about you? I would say my first one is like, make inspiration, your job, like literally make finding inspiration, your daily pursuit. So here's what I did. This is what the step before I hired a coach, I listened to, um, I listened to autobiographies of people that lived really friggin' incredible lives. And this is why, because they all came from somewhere that wasn't that different than where I came from. So, so often we see these people that we admire and we look up to, and we think somehow they like hit the magical lottery, um, or were born into something like born into where they are. And oftentimes that's not the case. Like Richard Branson was on the bank of, or brink of bankruptcy multiple times got kicked out of school, like all of these other things. Right. So I would listen to all these autobiographies. I would, um, you know, read my absolute favorite book. This, if I, I don't even, I feel like I don't even need to say it. Cause if you've listened to more than one episode, <laughs> you are a badass. Uh, yes. <laughs> Honestly, like diving into personal development, I'm not sure that I would have been able to reconcile um, hiring a coach if I hadn't read that book or if I hadn't, you know, like if I had it, if I wasn't able to see what's possible, right. Follow people that inspire you, 
cleanse your Instagram feed of anything negative or that makes you feel like shit about yourself because you need to get yourself into this like high vibe zone that what you believe is possible is possible for you um, in order to, to get to where you want to go. Yes, I totally, totally agree. Um, and, and on that too, like find your expanders. And what I mean by that is find people that are doing what you want to do, but that you like, so for example, I have this other money coach that's not in the hair industry that I, for some reason, just look at her and go, I can do that. I don't know why I don't find her competition. We're not competition. She's in a completely different industry. Um, but, and I've spoke, we've like had like zoom calls because I've reached out to her and said to her, like, Hey, like, I love what you're doing. Like, I hope to be like you one day, like, so find somebody. And I don't even, not even necessarily someone that you want to be like, but somebody that you, that is showing you what your future could look like and Mm -hmm. not look at them. Like they're doing it and I can't, or, they're, they're doing it and I need to do it like them, but just looking at at somebody like it's, it can be possible. And it could be a celebrity that you read their book. Like, you know what I mean? Like anything, um, where it's just like, okay, because you can do this. Mm -hmm. So can I, you know, that's such good advice. And I actually, so there's a girl that I took, she was the first webinar that I ever attended. She has a branding and marketing, not in our industry, nothing like that. But, um, she, I always followed her on Instagram because her, she has an only child like I do. And she and her husband will travel and they will go like, they spent, I think three months in Croatia in the summer. She worked and, you know, spent time with her family And then (laughs) we ended up in the same mastermind. That's (laughs) awesome. Such a full circle moment for me because I was like, wow, like that was, like you said, it's someone who's like not necessarily that that was competition or anything, but I was like, they can do this. This means this is possible. And this means that, you know, there's, it's out there and people are doing it. Cause so often we think what's possible is what is in our immediate surrounding. Yeah. Um, Okay. I have one last question for you. (laughs) What do you think is the best? What do you think is, goes into finding the right coach? Like, how do you pick? That's harder. Um, Somebody you resonate with everything that they say, not everything that they say, somebody that you resonate with, like, like vibe with, like, I'm never going to hire a coach that I like, like watch their Instagram and and just go, well, I mean, that's good information, but like, I don't really understand what they're saying or, you know, or are they living the life that I want to live? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to hire a coach that's driving a, a Ferrari and lives in a mansion. Like, I don't, I don't really want that. And I don't really want you to tell me how to get there is if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I think, yes, the information they're teaching is important. Mm -hmm. Um, and testimonials are super important. Like talk to people who work with them, but if you're seeking it out, like find somebody that you just love everything they're doing. Yeah. You know, like I talked to you a lot about Maddie Woodard. I would pay so much money to see him speak. I've bought all his courses. Like he just, there's something about the way he talks because he cusses. He talks like a normal human being. He talks like somebody you would meet on the street, Mm -hmm. but he teaches great advice. Like I don't want formal, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So I'm not going to hire somebody that's super formal. 
That's so true. Yeah. Yeah, I would never hire someone who was super corporate, like anyone that's like, cause to me, that's like, I mean, uh, and it's funny because I have friends who are like, that's like my dream. That's like, you know, live yep. like living it up. And I'm like, Ooh, that feels like a little suffocating for me. So right. you're right. It's going to be different for everyone. It's just what makes you, you know, like, what do you connect with? And do you want to talk to this person like several times a day? Cause when you work with a coach, <laughs> you're going to be connecting exactly. a lot. <laughs> well, and, and like, I, like I, you know, there's a lot of educators who are more aggressive. There's a lot of educators who are like more fluffier and like people prefer different things. Like, Absolutely. you know, like somebody who doesn't like tough love, isn't going to like the aggressive coach. Absolutely. You know, so I think that you have to connect with somebody because somebody can have great information, but if they say it in a certain way that like triggers you or like, you know, causes you to get defensive, you're not going to listen to what they're saying. That's so true. And the more like personal development books and, you know, business books that I read, the more that you realize that a lot of the things that are taught are very similar And, you know, now I'm a lot more tolerant, but before, like I would have, some things would have just really set my guard off and you don't want that. That's not how you're going to start your journey. Right. But some people do want it, you know, and that's, that's the thing. So it's like, just find who you vibe with, who would you, you know what, who would you want to go out and have a drink with? Yes. That's a good one for sure. No, I mean, who do you just want to chat up because you know, if you want to just sit and chat with them, then you're, you're probably going to enjoy your time learning from them. Yeah. You're, that's so true. Oh, yeah. I love that. I feel like this has been so good. I, I feel like this is going to be two parts because yeah. this is a lot. I love <laughs> it. It might have to be. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for having this conversation. And I think this has been such an amazing collaboration. They always, always are. So, well, we'll just keep doing this. I mean, at this point I say, we just like, Hey, what are you doing today? Bored. Let's talk about this. (laughs) I love it. I'm so Jody. I love you so much as you know. And of course I always enjoy our conversations. Um, so yeah, let's do it again soon. Absolutely. I'm always in. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Backroom Beauty Talks. If you like what you hear, screenshot this episode, post it on the gram, tag me at Misty Jane or tag the podcast at Backroom Beauty Talks, and I will talk with you on the next one.